Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. I think we hide too much. And we've just got this whole society where we just show the shiny things that we on Facebook. And I'm an evangelist for let's peel back the curtain and show more and more of ourselves. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis. And each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears and let's get into this. Come on. Hey, good people. Welcome to another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. Today, I had a a great conversation with Mr. David Wood. David is a author. He's a keynote speaker. But most importantly, he helps people in the art of having tough conversations. And he has a whole process that he goes through. I had a really good time talking to him. His team reached out to, to us. And as you guys know, I don't say yes to everybody, but I really thought that he'd be a great resource for you guys just in terms of learning how to Go into those uncomfortable conversations, speak your truth, and then find some synergy or some likeness with the person that you're talking to so that it doesn't have to be as arduous or as difficult as, you know, people people make it. His truth, he talked about a situation where he was scared and he was sort of able to break down his feelings and discover the value value of being vulnerable in that moment. We go through the four steps of having tough conversations. It's this, the acronym is CASE. C is for clarify. A is for ask uh, permission. S is for share. So you share your issue. And then E is inquire with an E. And you listen to the episode. He goes through uh, each of those steps in detail. We talk about how to handle anxiety, depression, and PTSD with the knowledge that it's not something that immediately goes away or something you can just completely get rid of, but you can still live a productive, flourishing life with these things. And uh, lastly, we touched on the importance of personal growth. So uh, I think it's a great episode. I think you'll get a lot out of it. Uh, Close your eyes and open your ears and uh, let's do it. Good people. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. I am your humble host, Dr. Sekou Gathers. And today I have Mr. David Wood. Hey, David, welcome. Hello, Dr. G. Thanks for having me on the show. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you being on. Just to give you guys some background, David is a coach, author, keynote speaker, and a tough conversation ninja, (laughs) which I like. Uh, He's the author of the book, uh, Get Paid for Who You Are, which is a book that talks about um, how to get paid for, you know, being yourself, basically. And uh, he works with executives, entrepreneurs, business teams, and um, interestingly, prison inmates, which I hope we'll get into talk about, because to me, that's fascinating concept, you know, coaching people that are really just on the outskirts of life 
one quote I like to share before we we jump in with David that that that's on his website is that he finds the edges of life and explores his fears, um, which in his case was public speaking, paragliding, stand up comedy, and he even mentioned BDSM, which I was like, wow, this guy's got some balls on him. This is actually on his site. And for those that don't know what BDSM is, you should. Damn, is that, st- is that still up there? <laughs> That's still up there. Bondage, discipline, submission, sadomasochism, and masochism. So, listen, I give you kudos for even having that up there. That's, that's strong. Anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you. And Dr. G, I think, yeah. you know, how illustrative of, of, of your topic and what we're talking about, yeah. because I'm tempted to hide Mm. Things like that, like, yeah. like hide the fact that I've I've explored that and, yeah. and and practiced it and enjoyed it. But I think we hide too much, and we've just got this whole society where we just show the shiny things that we on Facebook. And I'm an evangelist for let's peel back the curtain yeah. and show more and more of ourselves. Now, in doing that, we expose our underbelly. A little bit. Like I could lose a corporate contract because I put that up there. Yeah. So there's a risk, but I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir with you uh, when I say there is so much upside to being known and being seen so the right people can find you. Yeah, no, it's true. And often, you know, as I'm sure, even for the listeners, what you'll find is that when you expose yourself, quote unquote, in those ways, you discover there's many more people who are also hiding things that you're helping right. them to, to become courageous about. When I read that, I thought about one of my favorite shows, Billions. And I don't know if you watched that show, but you know, I watched that, an episode last night. Right. Okay. So you, so you understand one of the main characters, the attorney, one of his story arcs throughout the, you know, the think that we're in season four now has been, he's been an active practitioner of BDSM. And I remember yeah. the, the, the first season sort of opens in a scene with him, in this. And I'm like, whoa, okay, this is how we're starting this, this show. But it was great. And I think there are more people doing this types of thing and other things than you think. So anyway. Yeah. And he and he comes out in the show and says publicly, because someone's right. trying to blackmail right. Someone's trying yes. to blackmail him. Season three, yes. I've often thought, I've never told anyone this, but I've often thought if someone was trying to blackmail me, that's a huge opportunity yeah. to lean into vulnerability and share it with the world and take the consequences. Right. And he does that in that show and it's very inspiring. Yeah. And also what's interesting is because he leans into it, because he announces it, because he owns it, right. no one can really hit him for it right. anymore and it right. doesn't affect his career. <laughs> right. So exactly. we can really lean into our truth and own it instead of hiding and running away from it. And that's what I'm here to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a great, it's a great offensive tactic. I mean, similarly, and then we'll, we'll get off this, you know, Obama, before he ran, he wrote that book, which is basically like a tell-all of all his skeletons in his closet and put it out there. Yes. And you read yes. the book and you were like, so now if anybody says anything to him, he's like, yeah, I know it's in the book. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's on page 184. Exactly. <laughs> You know, someone said once, I saw a teacher who was so quick to apologize or to ask what he did wrong. Yeah. And I, someone said, yeah, he lays down so fast, they can't hit him. Wow. So it's a little bit like that with the truth to me. You could lay down and you, you come clean to yourself and then to others. Usually it's not that big a deal. You might take <laughs> some consequences. You might feel some shame. You yeah. might have people leave you, break up with you, ultimately at the end of the day, we're usually still standing yeah. and often a bit taller. 
Yeah, still standing, still breathing, still striving, still surviving. Absolutely. All right. So, David, for my listeners who, you know, I'm, I'm up to about 2,000 downloads a month now, which is great. I have a nice following. But for anybody listening to the show for the first time, this show is basically about truth, right? The truth prescription. But what about truth? The fact is that we are afraid of truth, that truth makes us uncomfortable. But in my uh, experience, in, the es- in my estimation and the experience of my guests, typically when you interface with truth, that's when you have a breakthrough. So, David, why don't you tell us a truth story, be it personal or professional, about something, a truth that you either were ignoring or sometimes we're just not aware of things or that you weren't aware of, that once you were able to accept it, that you had a breakthrough. <laughs> All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell... I'm going to tell an embarrassing story okay. that's that's very fresh for me, and it involves a social taboo, which is why it's embarrassing. Okay. I live in the mountains. So I set the scene. I live in the mountains. I have no immediate neighbors. Of Colorado. Balcony, mountains of Colorado. In, in Colorado, yep. my balcony looks out over a valley, nice. and it's very peaceful, and I feel very alone here, and I love the solitude. I do have a tenant who lives below me. Okay. So there's that, but she's very quiet. I often don't see her. And one day I'd been alone for four or five days because she was traveling or something. And I was on a, on the phone out on the balcony and it's a beautiful day. Mm. And I didn't, I needed to pee. (laughs) I like this. I like where this is going. Yeah. I think you can see where this is going. And I didn't want, I didn't want to walk back inside into my little bathroom and and pee. I'm like, this what a glorious day. I'm going to pee on the grass over the balcony, right. under the grass, under the side of the house. On your property. Um, on my, yeah, right. on my, my property. Right. So I do, and I'm peeing, and I, I didn't want to interrupt my phone call, and I'm just, I'm just having a wonderful time. <laughs> and suddenly I hear this sliding door shut down below me. Oh, oh, wow. And I, w- I was uh, scared. I was horrified because I thought I was alone. And... I couldn't focus on my phone call. Right. And, and when I finally hung up, I was mortified <laughs> because she'd come home in like the last 10 minutes and what timing. And I'm imagining she's, she's out there enjoying the day sitting on her veranda and she sees this stream of urine coming over the. <laughs> oh God. Right. And to make it worse, I'm a wow. man, she's a woman. Yeah. So there's that gender dynamic and, uh, also, I'm a landlord. She's a tenant. Right. So there's a power dynamic. Yeah. So I'll tell you, Dr. G, for for like four hours, I was miserable. Yeah. I was really, I had to break it down. Like, why am I so upset here? Good. And one, I was honestly scared. Okay. I was scared she might complain to, to the authorities or whatever. And I was worried that it might come out in the newspapers, landlord pees on tenant. Um <laughs> You know, my ego was really blowing it up. And also I was worried that I'd done some damage. Like maybe I'd really offended her and had her feel unsafe in her own home. Cause if I, I'm a guy and if I saw that, I'd be like, what? I'd feel disrespected. Sure. Sure. So I, I spoke to three different friends and coaches about it to try and get clear. And I knew what to say if she brought it up but I could not find my way to bringing it up. Wow. Also, there's a small chance that she hadn't seen it and she just closed the door at that time. And I might be making it 10 times worse by bringing up something that didn't exist. Right. Right. 
Now, did she, when, when the door closed, was it a slamming or was it a soft close? Or you couldn't really tell. I think it was about your average close for a sliding door. Okay, okay. Yeah, but I thought the chances were very high. That, like the fact that it happened at just that time, <laughs> very high that she'd witnessed it. So anyway, I got coaching. I followed my own technology because I have a four-step process to tough conversations. Yes. And, and what I got to was I got the vulnerability if I was to go to her and bring it up and risk facing her possible anger, disgust, and fear, I would be super vulnerable and exposing my underbelly. Sure. And I was so tempted to just let it ride and see if things seemed a bit strained in our communication or not. And maybe she wants to just not bring it up and I won't bring it up and I'll just commit to not doing it again. Sure. And that's a valid, you know, I'm not, not judging that. That's a valid approach. And for four hours, that looked like it was going to be my approach. And then something, I was on the phone talking to a friend and we moved on to something else and it just came to me. You know what, David, we're two humans. Yeah. We're two humans. Yes, it's going to be embarrassing. Yes, it's going to be vulnerable for you. And that's why this could be really valuable. Perfect. So Perfect. I said to my friend, can I interrupt you? I just got the, the inspiration to go and knock on her door and, and say it. She said, go. So <laughs> I go and I go around, I knock on the door and we don't normally do that. We text each other, but I'm like, I can't do this by text. Yeah. Knock on the door. I had to wait a minute or two, which was excruciating. Even more, right. Even more. She difficult. comes to the door and I said, can I, can I talk to you about something super embarrassing for me? Nice. And she's like, um, okay. And I said, do you, do you know what it is that I'm, do you already know what I'm going to say? And she yeah. said, I don't know if I do. And I said, then I'm going to make it 10 times worse right now. <laughs> and I wow. told her, Wow. and I just told her how it happened. And yeah. I told her the truth that I was mortified. And I told her I would never have done it had I known she was home and I commit to not doing it again. And I apologize. And she was wonderful. Wow. She was like, oh, look, guys like to pee in the woods. I know that. She said, I like to pee in the woods. <laughs> and she That's said, great. Look, That's great. It's, she said, look, it's, it's no big deal. And, and I was still embarrassed, but I was so glad I brought it up because here are two, two benefits. One, I feel closer to her right. out of doing that. She was so wonderful about it. I'm like, all right, I feel like this is a friend here. Yeah. And two, I don't have to carry it around. Right. That Drop thing was right. bugging me and I was constantly worried that it was an issue. But now after having brought it up, I know it's not an issue. And it actually gave her a chance to bring up something she'd been wanting to bring up, but felt a bit hesitant to talk about, okay. uh, about my, my dog and where my dog pees. Ah, on the property. Uh -huh. And, and so we got to talk about that and I'm really glad I know about that. So there's my, there's my story of me realizing my truth, which was I'm scared and it would be super vulnerable for me and I'm willing to be vulnerable. And it took me, it took me, and I, I consider myself an expert in this area. Yeah. It took me four hours to get there. So for anyone else who's hesitant to speak their truth, I have a lot more compassion after that experience. And it might take you years for some right. things before you're willing. Right. And I say, tr trust that timing. You're ready when you're ready. And I think that was a really great example because it was something in the moment, right? That, that just happened 
day to day. Like there's no, like sometimes we have these type of truth epitomes with our parents or with, you know, some really strong situational relationship. You know, I was, I was molested when I was uh, a kid and it took me a long time to sort of come to grips with the truth around that, about how I felt about myself in the world, right? That those, these are sort of like bigger things, but what you're talking about is so beautiful because it's really just a small thing that happened. And it really illustrates that every day there can be little, little truths that we can ignore or that we can tap into ourselves and get some benefit out of it if we choose to take that step. So that was great. What I don't like about the story, just from an educational or instructive point of view, is it's, it's kind of a rare experience. <laughs> it was a, one of those mortifying experiences. And for me, it was a, one of the macro conversations, like a big one. Yeah. But, but we have so many micro moments yes. where a tough conversation is possible, like someone's late for you or someone mm. does something consistently that, that bugs you or maybe you just feel a little embarrassed about something like, oh, so, so sorry I said that about your, your father. I, was, if I, I wish I could have a do-over. These micro moments are very important and we can practice with the micro moments and the micro tough conversations so that when the big ones come up, we've got more agency. I mean, what I did, I don't, I think, I think there'd be a lot of people on the planet that might have trouble going up to someone and saying, I just peed off the balcony and I can't, I can't believe I did that, (laughs) but I've had 20 years of practice. Sure. So let's work on the small ones, which are still scary. I'm not saying that it's scary. Let's work on the small ones so that when the big ones come up, you're ready. So just to get into the story a little bit, she didn't even realize that you had done it. It was a, it was a total coincidence that she closed the door. Yeah. Wow. So at that point, I could have backed out and I was willing to, but I, I'd already mocked up the possibility that she didn't know and right. that I could make it way worse, which right. is kind of funny. Right. Like now I'm going <laughs> to put myself in it. And just explain this thing rather than just like, oh, oh right, never, never mind. mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, good seeing about, you. Welcome nothing, back. <laughs> which, but I'm so glad I did um, yeah. because we got to connect over it. And also, she may have felt disgust. Like if that had happened, then I would have had an opportunity to be with her during her emotions and go, yeah, I totally get it. I don't blame you. And how can I make amends? Right. That was an opportunity for me, too, if that had been the way it went. And that sounds like we're getting into the steps. So let's jump right into the steps, the four steps to tough conversations. I'll run through them and then you can expound on them. So number one is ask permission. Number two is express your hope and your fear. Let me stop you because there's a new and improved version. Oh, fantastic. Go ahead. Yeah. And by the time your listeners go to the website, they'll get this new and improved version. Okay. So the four steps... There's an acronym now, which is CASE, C-A-S-E. So this is the CASE model. All you got to do is remember that one word and you'll be able to remember the steps. So CASE stands for clarify, ask, share, and then inquire. Inquire, okay. And, and if you like, I can go through those steps in more yep, detail. Absolutely, go ahead. So first you want to clarify the issue for yourself. These are the four steps to how to have tough conversations. Go ahead, David. Yeah. Yeah. How to have tough conversations or even just how to speak your truth. There you go. So the first step, you got to clarify the issue for yourself because when this happened for me, I was a mess. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew I was really freaked out. 
when I did the clarification step, and there's a worksheet for that. And can we give the listeners a download at the end of the yes, episode? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to go yeah, through So all you that. don't have to write all this down. It's in the download. There's a worksheet which will ask you, what's your hope? Right. Out of this conversation, how could it go well? Right. What's your fear? How could it go badly? And then do you have a request? So you're not just expressing your emotions, but you're asking for something the other person can do that could move things forward. So the clarification worksheet is wonderful and it will help you decide if you're going to have the tough conversation or not. Right. Because not all conversations are meant to be had, right? Right. I believe that nine out of 10 of them are meant to be had. So whatever, whatever most people are doing, I'd say head more towards the truth. Got it. But every now and then there might be something that could get you arrested or it could have your partner break up. It could have you lose your job and you just want to check, am I willing to accept those consequences? And if you're not, you may not be ready for that conversation. So the clarification is wonderful. It's you having the tough conversation with yourself in this first step. And I say you'll win out of doing the worksheet even if you decide not to have it, because you'll learn something about yourself. Oh, this is what I'm afraid of. Right. This is what I desire. And then step two, if you've chosen to have the conversation, now you're going to ask permission. And there's a wonderful formula for asking permission. But first I'll say why you need to ask. Okay. You don't want to go to someone and say, we need to talk. <laughs> right? Right. That'll put them on the back foot <laughs> right. straight away. Right. 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 <laughs> and also you don't want to just launch into it Hey, I got to talk to you about your smoking. You know, it's really bugging me when you smoke at home. Again, you're launching into this. You haven't asked permission. You don't have consent. Right. So when you ask permission, <laughs> you put the other person, if they say yes, they're now in a more open frame of mind. They've said yes, and it's going to go much better. And here's the formula. And you're going to use the worksheet for this formula. Formula goes like this. Hey, so-and-so, there's something I haven't been saying mm. because, and here you insert your fear from the worksheet, but I've decided I do want to bring it up and talk to you about it because insert your hope from right. the worksheet. Right. Do you have about 10 minutes now to talk about it? Mm. In my example, it could have gone something like, hey, Mary, to use a fake name, Mary, uh, there's something I haven't been saying because I feel so embarrassed. I'm mortified and I'm so worried that I might have offended you. Mm. But I've decided I want to bring it up because I want to feel more connected and I want you to feel at peace and me to feel at peace living here together. Sure. And so I've decided I want to bring it up. Do you have about five minutes now? There's so much that does. It also lets the person know you're a bit vulnerable and this is a bit edgy for you. You're preempting anything you're worried about by bringing it up. I'm worried you might get angry. I'm worried you might think I'm oversensitive. I'm right. worried, you know, you get to bring it up. And so they're less likely to, to actually do the thing. Right. So there's so much in this simple formula. Totally disarming. Yeah. And then the next step, if they've said yes, you share your issue. You know, when you did X, I felt Y. This is my issue. This is how I'm feeling about it. And if you have a request, this is the place to bring it. For example, if someone's late for you, well, in my example, my request might be, my request is, is 
just, just, I'd like you to get my world and understand that I had no ill intent. That might be my request. But if someone's late constantly, my request might be that you show up two minutes early. Yeah. Or, and that you let me know as soon as you know you're going to be late. Don't call me five minutes past the hour to tell me you're going to be late. Right. I know that now. <laughs> my request right. is that when, you know, half an hour out, when you know there's no way you can make it, you give me a heads up. Right. Right. And then the fourth step is so important. Inquire with an E. Inquire. How is it for you to hear this? And I often forget this step. I'll tell you, Dr. G., I, I've done all my thing or whatever, and then I forget to like check in to to get their point of view. How is it for you to hear this? Is it weird? Is it inspiring? Is it offensive? How is it for you? And I want to hear anything you've got to say. Do you have a better idea than what I have? Yeah. I'm saying I want to do this for the company. Do you have a better idea? Maybe we can work it out together and collaborate. So those are the yeah. four steps. C-A-S-E. Case, clarify, ask, share, inquire. Now, why the E? Why inquire with an E? Is it just because well, it rhymes it, or is there? Well, firstly, because Cassie isn't really a word. <laughs> right. Right. So right. I wanted something that, that, that spelled a word. That but secondly, inquire, inquiry is usually used more for formal inquiries, formal settings. Enquire is is more appropriate for just asking to see, to gain information. Yeah. So that's that's why. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I think that's a lot of a lot of juice for the listeners to be able to grasp onto. And it's a great tool. You talk about this in your, I'm sure your trainings, I'm sure you talk about this in your one-on-one coaching you do with entrepreneurs and and regular folk that you um, engage with. And I'm sure you talk about this, this in your keynote as well. Are you, are you still doing keynotes? Uh, are you still traveling doing keynotes? Yeah, I, I just talked to someone today uh, who looks like they're going to book me for two two conferences and then hook me up with uh, maybe the Financial Planners Association. Okay, that's Because be let's have all financial planners mastering tough conversations with their clients and talking about difficult issues, it, depending on the crowd. If, if the topic is tough conversations, then often I will share with them this methodology and more importantly, give them the download, give them the worksheet, because you want to have this in your back pocket. And whenever you've got an issue and you're like, I just don't know how to bring that up, or I don't know what that conversation would look like. Great. First step, clarify, get the worksheet, fill it in, super enlightening. You wrote the book, right? Get paid for who you are, right? It feels like an old life now, but it's like it quite a long time ago, but I, that, I did write that book. You did write that book and clearly you're living that, you're living the topic of the book, right? Because you are getting paid for who you are. For, for those of my listeners who may want to get paid for who they are, but more specifically are interested in doing keynotes, what do you, you've done a ton of them. What do you think makes a great keynote? Oh, I love that question. Well, this fits right in with our topic. Absolutely. I think <laughs> authenticity is the thing that has taken me, and I'll, I'll, I'll be candid here, I yeah. think it's taken me from an okay speaker yeah. to a great speaker. And what happened was I, like way back, it must have been 15, 18 years ago, I started speaking, I got coaching, and I went out and I spoke to groups, and I sure. even got someone, I was like 20 what was I, 29 at the time, and I got flown to a national conference and, you know, but I didn't 
I felt like a fraud. Mm. I was just panicky. I was young telling, talking to people about how to create a life you love. And I'm 29 talking to like 40 year olds and 50 year olds. And I just felt panicky and I felt a bit like a fraud. Mm. And then for six years, I stopped speaking on stage. I just, I don't know. I just stopped speaking and I had some personal stuff to work out because I had some, I had like a couple of skeletons in the closet and truth that I hadn't revealed. And I was like, how can I speak about truth if I don't share everything with the world? And then I got coaching that was amazing. And it said, look, firstly, don't share something while you're still bleeding from it. Yeah, it's nice. And then, and then secondly, everyone has a right to privacy. Not everything is going to be of value to be shared. It's not always going to be, do good. Yeah. So I, I just had to do my own work. And once I'd done my work, an opportunity came up for uh, speaking to 1,200 people. Wow. And I'd only, I'd only spoken to 300. I went and did it and something had clicked. And I think one of the main things that had changed was I, I no longer needed speaking to make a living. Okay. Like before I needed it, I needed money. And so I was constantly worried, but now I was making a living from coaching and my online products. I didn't need anything from this audience. Right. So I was able to get up there and be me. And I laughed at myself, <laughs> Dr. G so often I, I, <laughs> I like I was there. You can see it on the video still to this day, um, where I'm, I'm I'm looking. I kept looking back at the screen to see what was up there, and there were four big uh, screens behind me. That's how big the room was. Okay. And I kept looking to see where I was at in my presentation, and finally I realized there were monitors right in front of me. <laughs> I had little monitors on the stage right, right in front of right. me, and I just I just stopped and I laughed and I said. <laughs> speaking professional that I am, I had no idea that there are monitors right in front. I had a good laugh and they That's laughed great. with me. It was great. So I love telling on myself Okay. on stage. If I'm nervous, I like to tell them. Yeah. I may look confident. I'm a little shaky. Would you take a deep breath with me? Mm, nice. If that's, and I'm always nervous. I'm, I get terrified once I was going to go on national television to play guitar dressed in a kilt. And <laughs> I was so terrified. I lost three drops of urine. Three. Three drops came out uh-huh. while I was in the green room waiting to go on stage. <laughs> now, do you, do you think if you're wearing a kilt that that would have you c- calm down no. or get even more, more scared? More, more nervous yeah, as it so goes down your leg. Guitar- it's a lot. It's a lot of a lot of urine connected with truth for some reason. With with, with yeah, that. <laughs> urine stories. That's right. Uh, but what I've learned is the more I'm willing to tell on myself, yeah, and to let go of any kind of guru syndrome or I've got everything nice. together, nice. I get to relax more, and people seem to warm up to me more. So that would be my advice to people wanting to be a great speaker: practice telling on yourself. Even off stage, practice telling on yourself on Facebook, hey, this is something I'm a bit embarrassed about, so I wanted to share it and bring light to it and so that I can accept it. I think that's a wonderful thing. And so I get up on stage and I share things like this story and things that may not present me in the best light. And some people may not want to work with me because they're like, 
I don't want to work with a guy who pees off his balcony or I don't want to work with a guy who's going to lose bladder control yeah. waiting to go on TV or I don't want to work with a guy who who's had a lot of experience with anxiety and depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. Some people be like, that guy doesn't have his shit together. That's a risk I take. I think it's worth it in the long run. I have faith that the wrong people will will move away from me yeah. and the people that I'm meant to be working with right. uh, will gravitate towards me. That's my faith. It's about, and for, for folks listening, that it, developing any kind of business, it really comes down to finding your audience. This is what, what David's talking about. It's really about keying in on who your audience is. And the only way sometimes you can find that is putting yourself out there in the most vulnerable way. And those people that resonate with you will show, will show themselves. They'll pop up. That's great. We've learned, I've learned that some of what you're talking about as well doing this show, that uh, it's about that. And the reason I asked you this whole keynote question, because recently I did a, a keynote training with um, this group in New Jersey called Heroic Public Speaking. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They talk a lot about some of the things that you're discussing with 100% authenticity. This is the, the thing that people really relate to. So, yeah, I have a, a bit of a peeve about, I have a viewpoint when people go and do speaking courses and I don't think I've done one. Yeah. I don't it, think it I've has, done does, one. It doesn't sound like you've had coaching, but it doesn't like, sound like you've actually done a, uh, yeah, a training. Yeah, I get, I, get, I get coaching and, and people have suggested, you know, like I had Alex Mondosian is an incredible marketer and he, he taught me about transparent selling, authentic yeah. selling, yeah. like how to get up on stage and say, I want to do everything in my power to influence, motivate and persuade you to continue your training with me. So yeah. I'm going to do that in this, like tell them up right, front, right? Tell right? Them what Authenticity. You're doing. Yeah. But I, I have a peeve about courses that are going to teach people about where to stand on stage and how to use your body language and things like that. And the reason I have a peeve is I don't want speakers focusing on that. If you're focusing on that, you're not going to be as present with your audience. I want people to be feeling their body. Yes. How do I feel? Oh, I noticed my belly's a little tight. I'm nervous being with you guys and it'll pass. I want people. Oh, I noticed I just got excited saying that because <laughs> I really right. want this for you. Yeah. I want that on right. stage. And yeah. I, I don't think it matters so much about where you stand or whatever. I mean, yeah, definitely train and, and get coaching yep. or on your content sure. because you want to laser that content and have it be boom, boom, boom. I think that's really useful, but who you are is going to have more of an impact than what you say. Mm. Yeah, that's an important point. It's a great point. Let, since you're, we're talking about that, why don't you t tell uh, the listeners a little bit about the book? Although it was, as you said, a hundred years ago, some things that they can do to start that process to get paid for being who they are. Well, I notice when, when you ask about the book, something in me kind of shuts down. Mm. Yeah, that's and I, true. Uh, and that's I'll, true. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you why. Okay. It's, it's because, and see what I'm doing right now is what I want you to do on stage and with other people is first reveal your experience to yourself, which can take a lot of training and practice and then let the other person know what's happening. So I shut down because for years I helped people to create an internet business. I helped people create a coaching business yeah. because I was really good at it. And then people were like, how do you work from home? And, and, and like that. So I wrote a book about it Okay. and I got burned out 
because I'd said it over and over and over and over. And what really brings me alive is the, are these other conversations about truth and authenticity. So okay. the book's just not something that interests me anymore. People can go and get it on Amazon, sure. get paid for who you are. Yep. Uh, you probably want to write it down because you'll you'll forget the title and you change the words. People always do that. <laughs> My mission now is to help people lean into their truth. Yeah. And sure, I, I want you to have a super exciting business. I coach people on businesses all day all day long. Sure. So I'm happy to talk about business in general. But the the actual book was about a specific model, which is how to create an internet business sharing your passion. Got it. And that's. That's something I think I've said everything on. Got it. Okay. Let's, uh, you know, one, one thing I was thinking about uh, transitioning to is you, you mentioned it on the website and you mentioned it several times that we, we've been talking, just sort of how you've been able to manage your anxiety and depression and PTSD. What are some tips you can give the listeners about how, I mean, I don't think these things ever go away, but in just in terms yeah. of how to, how to really live with them, massage them and, and help them, uh, allow them to help you so that they don't hurt you. I love that question. So the, so the question is tips to handle anxiety, depression, PTSD. Wow. Well, I've got 20 something years experience with it okay. and it really does disrupt my life. Sometimes I go through phases where sending an email seems too much and I can't leave the house to go and have coffee with a friend because I'm just exhausted. So one, what I, what I do is I, I try and practice self-care and not because I'm a, I'm enlightened, but because I have to. Okay. So I lay down for 20 minutes almost every day and I listen to some kind of hypnosis tape or I just meditate. I just breathe. That gives me a bit of a reset. I I've learned to go into a trance. I couldn't do it initially. And I had to really, really practice. And now my body can sometimes go into a, such a deep trance that I've been lying on the ground in an airport at a gate. 40 people have come and lined up a foot from me and I wasn't even aware of it. <laughs> and I come out of the, the meditation. I'm like, wow. Now for mm. someone with anxiety and who's so highly strung like yeah. me, that was a big thing for me to learn. Mm. Practice exercise. I go for a walk or a jog almost every day it's a survival mechanism. Got it. It's not necessarily I even want to do it. It's just I know that's one of the things that is a no-brainer when it comes to self-care. If you're having any kind of trouble with mental health or physical health, some kind of exercise, nutrition. I'm very grateful I discovered the Wild Fit program. Wild Fit they, program. And they, okay. they brainwashed me. <laughs> they actually brainwashed me. So now I just I don't eat chocolate. Hmm. I don't eat it. I don't eat processed sugar. I buy, I go and buy whole foods, fruits, vegetables, right. not meat, the supermarket necessarily. Proteins at the supermarket. Yeah. And I prepare it myself. And they taught me how to make a green smoothie. And I prepare my smoothies for the week. It takes me like an hour and a half. I prepare them all. I freeze a few of them, particularly with the coronavirus right now. Yeah. I, there's no way I'm going to stop my green smoothies every day. Yeah. Uh, and I, I try and get some kind of social limbic connection because I think it's so important for people. I don't have a partner right now, so I got myself a puppy. And okay. my 
my puppy is at my feet right now. I, <laughs> I got I got foot contact with my puppy, nice. and once a week I try and go into town to a group where we're really present and honest, and we speak the truth, laser truth. Mm. And sometimes I get cuddles out of that group as well. So those are some of the oh, and also therapy. I've yeah. done loads of therapy to try and find my demons and deal with the the scary things and the loss of my sister when I was seven. And I got to witness yeah. witness her being killed. Wow. And so I've done a lot of work on that. And then personal growth is such a godsend for me to practice discovering my own truth. Yeah. And then sharing that truth with others has been wonderful. So I think all, oh, and one of the things that's made such a huge difference is medication. I used to be against medication and think that it was wrong. I had to heal things naturally. Well, if you can, yes, heal things naturally before you go to pharmaceuticals. I just spent eight months off my antidepressant because I wanted to try some other modalities like plant medicines, ayahuasca and combo. And I'm interested in, you know, microdosing psilocybin. Psilocybin, right, yeah. Ketamine is something that's just become, recently become legal uh, in a in a clinical setting with sure. you know, a therapist and a doctor and whatever. There's so many things to explore. And I took eight months off my antidepressant and it kicked my ass. Hmm. It was horrible. It was wow. really hard for me. But I was like, no, I'm a spiritual warrior and maybe these other things could give me this healing so I don't need to go back. Hey, I got some healings and I got uh, a lot of insight and I'm sure I grew a lot. But I tell you what, my life got three times, four times, five times better when I went back on the antidepressant. Wow. And I'm still exploring other things and I still hold open hope that one day I can let go of the pharmaceuticals. But until then, I will use whatever I can to have my life be better. Wow. Okay. Question for you. When you went off the, um, now I'm going into my, my medical bag here. When you went off the antidepressant, did they gradually take you off? Did you go, you know, the half dose for two weeks and then quarter dose for a week? And did they slowly? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, okay. It, it wasn't a they, because I've, I've been at this for so long. I often, I often make my own decisions about medication it depends what it is. Like if I'm really lost and in trouble, I'll go to the doctor and say, help. I'm, I'm, I'm out of my depth. But I tape it off very slowly. Okay. I was also taking gabapentin, which has been wonderful for me. Mm-hmm. But, but as for neuropathic pain for the um, folks listening. Yeah, it's often good for pain and it's prescribed off-label a lot for anxiety or social anxiety. And I find it gives me energy. It's okay. kind of a, a cure-all for me. But I went off that according to the recommended tapering scale on the internet. Yeah. Oh my God. And then, mm. and I checked with my doctor and I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. No. Wow. It, it was, hurt, wow. Like it hurt me and you need to go off that super, super slowly for some people. And I didn't know that. My doctor didn't even know that. Sure. But thousands yeah. of people on Facebook know that. There's a whole group for it. So I learned the hard way. How how was your experience with microdosing? I mean, clearly it wasn't 
maximal because you went back on the uh the antidepressant but how was that experience a lot of a lot of people have been talking about this you know macro macro dosing and micro dosing yeah. uh, psilocybin i want to do the macro dosing i haven't done that yet i'm a bit scared to be honest but okay. i will i will get a sitter i'll get someone to sit with me and okay. be a guide for me great when i do a full-on dose of, of psilocybin which is mushrooms for people who don't know the microdosing, I've liked it. Initially, I felt a bit queasy taking a tenth of a dose, and then I took a twentieth of a dose and still felt a bit queasy. I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Okay. But I want the benefits for my brain, so I kept going, and it got better. It okay. got to the point where I might feel a slight buzz and a little bit energized, like having a cup of coffee or something. Okay. And then I, I had a one day where I played chess and I won ten games in a row. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, I wonder if this is, if this is connected, right? So, and then I had to go back on the antidepressant. So I can't tell you definitively that it's helped, but I'm a big believer in it for people who've tried other things than maybe microdosing, which by the way, is not legal, I think in every state. So you should know that you're taking a a risk in in that sense. But I, I just... I don't know how much political will there is to even prosecute for for this kind of thing, but you you got to make your own decision about doing that. There's a book I highly um, I recommend the author. I haven't read the book, but the author is a great speaker and is a book called A Really Good Day. Mm. And she's a former prosecutor, and she talks about how this this changed her life. Yeah, yeah, I I listened to an interview with her as well. She talks about uh, you know the experience that she actually even has with her husband, where they do this thing every few years, and how it sort of just regenerates and rejuvenates uh, their marriage. And the the, the how, there's a, a bunch of science behind the neuroplasticity of the mushroom, the psilocybin, and what it does. Um, that folks listening can uh you know get into on their own time. There's a, a ton of YouTube stuff and uh, Tim Ferriss did a whole uh, about two and a half hour oh, interview yeah. on it. Yeah, which is really informative. So yeah. you guys can check that out. Yeah, he's investing in it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's yeah. He, he thinks this is the wave of the future and this is like yeah. an underused medicine. There are many medicines that are now starting to become more and more into public light. And I think our culture is starting to shift to embrace more of these alternative things like yeah. ayahuasca, yeah. which is not for the faint of heart, I've discovered. I've, yeah, I've, I've, um, I've heard. We can talk a little bit more off mic about that. I've heard. I've heard some stories about that. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, and then there's there's combo, which is a frog sweat, which gives you symptoms like an anaphylactic shock. You know, some people swear by the healing properties of these biopeptides in this frog sweat that has you like throwing up and diarrhea. And I, I tell you what, I've been hard. I really am an explorer. I haven't just accepted what the doctor said and like, oh, I just do antidepressants. No, I really get out there. And if I'm taking pharmaceuticals, it's because it's it's like my last line of defense. Right. We'll jump into some yes or BS. I'll ask you two and then we'll we'll close. Number one, there are too many life coaches in America. Yes or BS? <laughs> BS. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we could use more coaches, more people asking okay. questions. All right. And number two, fear is healthy. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. That's all I got. David, listen, this was fantastic. Thank you for uh, being on with me. I think the listeners got a, a, a nice um, introduction to uh, what you do. Tell us where they can find out some more information about uh, about your services. 
Yeah, thank you. I'll give I'll give out the link, and then there are three cool things you can do at that that same link. So the link is playforreal.life. It's not a .com. It's .life. Right. And we're all playing a game, but let's play it for real. So <laughs> at at that link, uh, three three cool things. One, you can download the four step tough conversations blueprint, the case model. Yep. It's a free download. Two, I've got my own podcast now. If you want to listen to me as well as the amazing Dr. G, I'd love to have you join us over there at Tough Conversations with David Wood. Let's do it. So subscribe. And the third thing, if something resonated for you in this interview and you're like, yeah, I want to up-level my life and I want to up-level my career or business because I work on both. I don't just do one or the other. Yeah. See if you qualify for a discovery session. Click the big button that says request a session. And if you qualify, I don't charge for that because one, it's fun. And secondly, <laughs> it's how I find the right people to work with long term. Right. So we'll create a plan for your life and business. And if it uh, seems like you can handle that on your own, go off and do it and let me know how it goes. And if we think coaching will have a big impact, then we can talk about how coaching works at that stage. Fantastic. So all three of those things at playforreal.life. David, thank you so much. I'm going to sign off as I always do. The truth will set you free if you let it. Mm -hmm.